recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's, let's get, get it on. on. Welcome to another episode of the Martial Culture Podcast. Uh, Coach Renee here and Matt Peters. I'm welcome, gonna, welcome. Let's not hesitate. Let's get right into it. We got great guests on the Fantastic. line. Fantastic. With us, Renee, would you set the table for us? Yes. Um, I, we have two wonderful uh, warriors in the studio today. Um, Christina Barlin, who I, uh, I, I uh, was aware of many years ago. Uh, I think you were training out in Arizona or something back then? Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah, that's been a while. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like watching your, a Spider Guard instructional. I'm like, wow. That's good, Spider Guard. <laughs> and uh, and but since then, I've followed your career, and I, I've recommended you uh, to a lot of my female students to see how to play Spider Guard in the gi. But also, um, uh, uh, Professor Aaron Hurl, who um, uh, I actually think we might have shared the mats together because you're at Cabrinas, right? Yes, I was. Yes, yeah. I was visiting Cabrinas a uh, few years ago, and I'm pretty sure we trained together um, because oh, yes. And um, what what belt were you about eight years ago? Eight years ago, probably a blue belt. Yep, yep. it was what, yeah. eight years ago, yeah. 2012. Yes, yep. You're uh, yeah, and you were no, really good. Yeah, and it was yeah, it was an belt. afternoon class, and I uh, came uh-huh. and uh, you were very technical, and it was a great role. And I knew I'm, I was almost I'm almost certain as you because you were so nice. And uh, we we didn't really huh. talk that much, but you gave me a fantastic uh, greeting and welcome. And uh, it's nice awesome. to visit academies and and to uh, to get such a warm greeting um, uh, from from people and and just be part of the you know martial arts uh, family, the brother and sisterhood. But um, I yeah, wanna... I'm glad I was a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> but I would like to hand the mics over to you guys, and uh, whichever order you prefer, just tell us a little about yourself. You're amazing amazing both of you amazing accomplishments and uh and then we can also talk about the really important work that you do which is really why i wanted to have you guys on you're absolutely inspiration to me what you guys do and also if you ever are in new york you know uh or would like to do some event in new york i, I would love to be my, my wife too we'd love to be at some level part of uh part of what your great organization is but anyway i'll leave the absolutely. mic up to you and uh please tell us about yourselves uh whoever would like to go first christina go ahead Okay, <laughs> I don't know where to go. Um, all right, well, yeah, Christina Barwan. Um, I'm a first degree black belt under Professor Kaya Teja. Um, been training for just over 12 years now. And, uh, and really, like, um, you know, it's great being part of like this whole podcasting and like starting like Sigma, which is, yeah, I'm a supporter of it, but it really has all just been put together by Aaron. Um, and I'm, and since, you know, we're really good friends, um, our friendship actually started by fighting each other twice in one day and we're like, did we just become best friends? And then we did. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's like, from that moment on, we've just been always supportive of each other. And, and when, um, and Erin will talk more about it, but when she came to me with her ideas with the Sigma, what she wanted to do, um, especially with everything that happened with her dad, I was just like, yeah, sign me up, whatever, whatever you need. I'm, I'm on it. I will do it, you know, and, and, um, I'm, you know, especially because of my, my own struggles with mental health, mental illness. Um, and, and, you know, of course, being able to still compete at a high level while still having that, uh, I found it really important that I, I can use that platform to actually speak about these things and, um, not just about mental illness, but, but a bunch of other stuff like, uh, traumatizing things, um, in the past and, 
it just feels really just give me this platform. So thank you for having me on here. Wonderful. And you are <laughs> you're uh, true martial artist because you're super humble. But how many times have you won the Worlds? <laughs> like eight or something? <laughs> you know what? I actually have never won Worlds. Um, at the adult level, I won Master Worlds twice at yeah. Black Belt. Ma- yes, Master Worlds. Uh, so yeah, yes. not yet. Yes, exactly. I have not, not, a, n- uh, not even at any of the the lower belts. But I have pretty much placed it every single year that I've competed at Worlds. I pretty much always placed within within the top three. Yeah. Oh, there were only two years in which I'd never placed at Worlds, but every single year I w- had always uh, placed from blue belt to black belt. I had always placed. You're amazing. Um, but I wasn't the finals. No. Oh, sorry. You're you're amazing, and you only won Masters black belt twice. Oh my God, oh. that's yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Come on, <laughs> and you know, it's just it's just for the listeners that don't know, it's just an age bracket thing. The skill level, uh, I think, is is incredibly high in all divisions, and it's a fantastic achievement. But um, but thank you for that that introduction. And and Aaron, do you mind telling me about yourself as well? Yeah, um, I'm based in LA, and I've been training for ten years now. Um, I just passed my two year anniversary for black belt. I, I received my black belt under Colbrina Charles. Um, and I also started with Hamala Bahal and then I lived in New York actually for two years. Well, New no Jersey, kidding. um, but commuted into the city, um, every day. And I was training under Marcelo Garcia. So I got my blue belt under Hamala, my purple belt under Colbrina, my brown belt under Marcelo, my black belt under Colbrina. Um, and I've always competed and always been um kind of similar to Christina like just kind of not really getting to the top like I I won a no-gi world title and Europeans and um things like that but never got the full gold again um, no-gi world title it's amazing (laughs) you know but to me I'm like it's not the same (laughs) it it, you know to Um, me it is the same and I think uh, I mean look at Gordon Ryan's never won gi worlds but he won no-gi worlds you know like and he's considered the best oh not yet yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah whatever anyway but uh (laughs) fantastic I actually saw Um, your no-gi world match and it was it was pretty it was pretty awesome yeah 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 I I actually yeah I'll I'll be honest yeah I, I actually have to be honest that I don't actually watch so much sport jiu-jitsu anymore. I'm really in the more MMA world. But for the top-level competitors who I really respect, I definitely watch because you can learn. And uh, and I, I remember seeing your match. It was, it was fantastic. So, um, yeah, thank you. Um, um, now but, and I'm congratulations. In, uh, MMA. Yes, <laughs> yes. You just had a fight yeah. uh, two nights ago or last night? Two nights ago. Uh, yeah, two nights ago. Yeah. Um, and it was it was big because it was a year that I had been trying to find a fight and I couldn't. And I actually fought a former teammate from um, you know the beginning of my my career. And now I'm training at a different gym, and so is she. But she came up and wait for the fight, and I was really really grateful for that because they were having such a hard time finding anyone who wanted to fight a jiu-jitsu black belt. Right. So for me, you know, just being able to fight was so exciting. Um, I ended up finishing the match, the fight. I keep using saying match, the fight in uh, the second round via TKO, um, just ground and pound from Mount. Wow. You know, it's it's funny because people were like, "You had it, you had the submission, you could have gone for the arm." Well, my other arm just kind of clamped it down, and I was like, "All right, well, how do I get that arm free so I can go for the arm bar?" I punch. I start punching. I get two hands free. And I'm like, this is a lot of fun. I'm going to go with two hands now. And then I called it. And I was just like, oh, my God. No, you know, it's interesting. It's not it's not something I want to talk about right now. But it's actually, um, you know, for me, where my academy is very much more into MMA. So we're always talking about what's efficient. And very often times, you know, if you go for an armbar from mount, you could lose top position. So I always Mm – 
Uh, yep, my yep, background, yep. yeah, my background is also in Japanese jiu-jitsu and Japanese judo. I lived there for many years. So the Japanese, I'm oh, saying wow. like every time you do it, before you do a submission, you got to soften them up. That's called a temi, right? So I'm like, you know, focus mm-hmm. on softening them up. And if they're really soft, just keep softening. And, you know, don't, don't lose the position <laughs> yeah. because you want to go for an armbar that's maybe 60% versus ground and pound that's 80, 90, 5%, you know? Exactly, so, uh, exactly. Yeah. It's very different. You know, when I switched over to MMA, um, well, that was a long, long time ago. Yeah, it really had to adjust my game, particularly my guard game. But anyway, but that's not what I want to talk about today. <laughs> I want to talk about you guys. Um, so congratulations on your win. And um, I'd like Thank to, you. I'd like to just focus back on on um, on the uh, on Christina. And Christina, I, I'm I'm just a little bit more familiar with you, and I know you've been very public with how you started. And it's like I, every female student I have, I, I mentioned that how you were originally doing like cardio kickboxing and then you started going to jiu-jitsu and and at that time the person who was in your life was not positive and and it's like a really inspiring story how you you know kind of you know got out of a bad place and became a mu- in a much better place and if you don't mind talking about it I, I would really interested to I think it's very inspirational for some people who I I, I know have been in places and and martial arts has helped them get to a, a better place you know Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, definitely don't mind talking about it at all. Um, yeah, so I I had no idea what jujitsu was until I started training Muay Thai, and it was at Cesar Gracie's Academy, and um, just so happened to find the place just because it was right next door to a restaurant I was going to eat at with my boyfriend at the time, and this is the boyfriend that was a very, very. It was a very toxic relationship. It was a toxic three-year relationship, um, and a lot of that toxicity came. But there's there's two things going on, right? Like. Um, are you still there? Yes, yes. Just okay, sorry. Listen. Yeah, really, absolutely. Really, really, sorry, it went really, really quiet. And I was <laughs> no. like, oh, no, did it hang up by accident? No, um, no, just try to be well, listening. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, there was, uh, there was a couple of things going on. Like, obviously, he had his own, resol- like, unresolved issues, his own his own thing. So, like, I still, to this day, believe that he was a good person. But because of all the other crap that had happened to him and things they had went through, it just kind of projected out in a way where it's just kind of like you depend on you depend on this person being lower than you so that you can feel strong, if, you know, and you don't ever want your like your security being threatened. And so, um, and for me, mine came from having been sexually assaulted, but believing it was all my fault. So I had this vision of myself that was just completely, I don't say untrue, but it was just like, that's not who I am. You know, that was not my fault. But for him, you know, his side of the story, because I wasn't, I was not cognizant of the fact that what had happened really had happened. Like, yeah, you were assaulted, right? Um, and so on my head, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have been there. It's all my fault. I had it coming, right? Um, and and for him, he's just, oh, he, she's just been with, all these different people and and so no one's gonna love you except for me like who's gonna want you you're pretty much you know you're pretty much garbage you know it's essentially like what that made me feel like and I was like you're right I have to be with this person for the rest of my life because no one's gonna love me because I'm damaged I'm broken um and and so our relationship was like that anytime I started feeling good about myself anytime I started doing something progressive with my life um like first it was art school like he would find a way to hurt himself so that I would give up whatever I was doing so I would take care of him because if you don't take care of like if you don't take care of me then who's you know 
then I'm not, I'm not going to take care of you. And who's going to love you? No one. Right. I was, I was really, really convinced of this. And, um, somehow we, we both at the time that were just like, we wanted, we were interested in, in starting martial arts. Like I want to do Muay Thai. We both want to do some sort of like kickboxing um, Muay Thai because we were watching a lot of different martial arts movies. But, um, you know, for so long, I had to put up with this relationship that like, okay, you don't want me to do something. I won't do it because if I do that, that means it's going to compromise our relationship. And that means I'm going to be alone and I'm, and no one's going to love me. So I would give up anytime he said, no, I don't want you doing that. And he didn't ever have a good reason for it. Right. So you'd find for ways to, to get me to fail out of classes or not go to school in general. Um, it was, it was really, really bad. And, um, after a year of doing Muay Thai, um, one of my friends was like, you know, I think you should try doing jujitsu again. You know, when I first started, someone tried showing me jujitsu and um, no gi didn't make any sense. I didn't like it. But when he asked me to try doing it again, the gi, I'm like, well, that just makes so much sense. I loved it. Right. And I remember coming home and telling, um, you know, my boyfriend, like, I tried out jujitsu. I think I could be really good at it. You know, I, I loved it. And right away he was just like, no, you're not going to be good at it. They're just saying that because they want to, the guys just want to touch you. They just want to mess with you. They, they, they really don't value it at all. You're not going to be good at it. You shouldn't do it. I don't want you doing it. And in the past, I would have been, okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. I won't do it. But something in me was just like, I don't understand why you don't want me doing something that could be really, really good for me. Like one, like, I feel like I could be good at this Two, I feel like it could be really, really good for me. And and then right away he's like, "All right, who are you, who are you gonna cheat on me with? Who are you like? Who are you who are you sleeping with? Who are you gonna leave me for at the gym?" And I'm like, "Well, it's like none, none of that. I just want to do jujitsu." You know, he can't. He was just so insecure. And at that point, he wasn't even training anymore. I was still paying for his, his fees, but he wasn't training anymore because he felt so insecure. He didn't. So you, know, you were paying for him. Guys. Yeah, I was paying for him. I, I, I was, I was paying for everything, right? Like, I was paying for two memberships, but only I was training. He just like he wouldn't go in. He'd always have an an excuse like, oh, um, like the guys are always making fun of me, or or the right. the guys don't think I'm manly enough. I'm like, well, you're not. You don't show up to train. You know, like I train and you don't. You know, like, and you always have some sort of excuse. You know, and I'm and so, so yeah, so sorry that you had to so go bad. to that. Yeah, <laughs> it That's was really terrible. bad and. And so at the point that I kept training and he would just not go, he's like, oh, you're definitely going there because you're trying to see somebody else. And I'm like, no, I'm going there because I want to get better, you know? Um, and yeah, I, it was a really, really bad like breakup. Um, there was like the first time I was like having a conversation about it, like it started in the car and I'm having a full on, like not full on panic attack, but like raging emotional breakdown I'm crying. I'm like smashing my hand against the against the window, hoping that it will break. It wouldn't break. I'm like kicking and screaming. I'm like having like a, t a tantrum. And at that point, I didn't realize that that was panicking, manifesting physically in my body and me freaking out. Like, I just don't understand, you know, and like getting out of the car, him like chasing me with the car, like following me in the street. And like, it was just like, I think about it now in retrospect. And, and a lot of the, I haven't, haven't even talked about that before in any of my other interviews. Because it's like, man, I really did block that out. Like, that really did happen. You know, him following me in the street, trying to get me to go back in the car. And I'm, like, crying and and so frustrated and so angry. But 
can't actually fully being angry. I was talking with, this, uh, with Aaron this morning about it, like how it's really hard for me. I, I can't be angry. I just get very emotional and I can't control my emotions. And I just get angry at myself as opposed to being angry at the person. Um, and I internalize everything. And um, finally got back to the house and like, it's just like, yeah, you need to leave. You need to leave because, you know, and it was, yeah, he just like, you know, was, mad he was like throwing stuff he had to put stuff in his in this like black garbage bag and he's like you're gonna regret this you know and and well, then no, he, you he didn't once he was, didn't like, regret it once he got out the room and my mom's like are you okay i'm like it's fine it's fine and as soon as he was out of the house i was just like oh my god i feel so much better <laughs> you know like it's gone it's done <laughs> wow that's amazing and uh and then you never look back no no i, I definitely have not i'm not saying that i'd like, I still struggle with, like, I'd say relationships or being able to connect with people in a certain way because, yes, I had a shitload of issues. Sorry, language. I had a lot of issues, a lot, a lot of issues tied with um, wanting to be loved and wanting to be accepted. But, I mean, the first time I was sexually assaulted, I was 12 or 13. Um, and the first time I ever talked about it to anybody and actually admitted, you know, and there again, there's a, there's also a string of other instances that happened from the time I was 13 to the time, I think the last time I was ever assaulted, I think it was well, around 17 years old or something like that. So, um, I never told anyone about it until I was 26. And that was, um, my ex fiance when I was living in Arizona, my, my, also my former, former instructor, um, he was the first person I ever told about any of it. Right. I, I, I told him about all these things that happened. And uh, up until that moment, I, again, I'd always put all the self blame. And it was once I said it out loud to another person and then seeing that look on their face and how they're looking at me and they're like, you know, that was really messed up. Like, I can't believe you went through that. And at the time I was just like, Oh yeah, it wasn't that bad. It's just, you know, that's just something you go through. And like, no, that isn't just something you go through. That's not normal. That's not like, this happened to you. I'm like, oh shit, yeah, that really did happen. And that's when I started being able to talk about it, you know, because I just always felt like I have to be with whoever likes me back because, you know, because of all the stuff that happened in my classroom, it really didn't happen that way. Um, and um, and just having this understanding of how the mind works and, and, and how how we go through these mental gymnastics to kind of justify the bad actions that people have done to us, you know, because we're powerless. We were literally powerless at the time to do anything. And so we kind of try to make ourselves feel like we have power. And, and it's the same thing that happens when, when dealing with mental illness. It's like, you know, society is telling us that we should be able to control it, that we should have the power to do it. And, and we don't, we really don't. Like, we can't just think happy thoughts. We can't just be happy. I mean, yes, you could get out of a bad relationship. You can get out of a bad situation, like, you know, at a work or a training environment. But in the mind, that's still that's still not our control. Like, if our brain says you're going to be depressed today, it's like, oh, well, I guess we're depressed. You know, you're going to be anxious today. Like, you're going to be anxious. There are things you can, you can do to be mindful of it. But at the end of the day, sometimes you just don't know why it is the way that it is. Um, and really martial arts has given me like one the strength to like, okay, whatever I can control, I'm going to do my best with that. And if I can't control today, if it's really too much for me. It's okay that it, it like overwhelms me for as long as I know that I can keep going and I can come back to it or I can try again, you know, right. find a way that didn't work. We can try again and find another way that might work. Maybe it'll work, maybe it'll fail. I don't know, but 
I'm always able to come back and keep trying. And, and um, jujitsu has really been that gift to me. You know, yeah. I didn't get it really with, with Muay Thai, but jujitsu was the one thing that was like, this makes sense. There's something, you know? I don't know what it is. And I, you know, I, I started studying martial arts in 75 and I've gone through many different martial arts. There's something about Brazilian jujitsu. I don't, I don't really know what it is, you know, because I did judo, which is similar, but it doesn't have it. I mean, I guess all martial arts have it somewhere, but there's something therapeutic about it that it allows you to pass through and digest trauma that happened to you. And, and thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I, I hope it really helps some people. It's funny because the yeah. first time I talked about a trauma that happened to me was actually on this podcast where when I was about 12 years old, someone tried to murder me and set me on fire. And I, oh had, I yeah, I, I tried poured lighter fluid and tried to set me on fire murdering. And it's funny that the only oh my person God. my parents didn't know, my nobody knew, only Matt was the first person I told. And uh, it was just like, oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. And, you know, you kind of like you, you do, you, you kind of. Yeah. yeah, you shut it down. I'll be a man. I've done not whine about this shit. You know, for real men, don't complain. And oh, that's it's just awful, and it just eats you alive. And I had a lot of insecurity. And this this podcast is not about me, so I'll just leave it there. But a lot of insecurity because at, I'd already been doing martial arts for seven years, and I couldn't defend myself. So I'm like a failure at martial arts. And uh, and you know, and then there was yeah the little negative voice that you suck and you'll never be good at anything. It didn't come from anyone else, but it, it definitely came from from me. And um, and and when I moved to Japan, I trained and. You know, little by little, I had some therapeutic moments. But when I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, something just changed. And uh, my very first MMA match uh, was when it really happened where, you know, it was like – you ever played the game Tetris? And it's like, you know, yeah. you get a level. So it was like I won the MMA match and suddenly it was like this Tetris level and everything fell away. And from that moment on, I can say my pre-MMA and post-MMA – I'm a completely different person. Like, I just, uh, I was talking to my wife about last night. It's like, I'm kind of wired now to be happy. And, uh, it's weird. It just changed me completely. Like, literally in seconds, I felt it. Something just, all this baggage I was carrying, all this stuff, the self doubt, all, everything, it just went away. And I'm, I, that is the peak moment of my, my life and my experience in the 50 years I've been on this planet. And, uh, but I just, I, I, when you were telling your story, um, I got kind of, kind of emotional because, uh, I was really relating to what, what you said. And, uh, and again, thank you very much for sharing. And I don't want to yeah, steer yeah. the podcast to me. I want to talk about you guys, but if you don't mind, I'd, I'd like to bring it to Erin and, um, and talk yeah. about her, her amazing journey. Uh, I know you had, um, um, a, a family life and, and things that, that led to you going in this direction of helping people work to submit the stigma, but I'll, I'll put it in your words. Um, yes. Tell me about your, uh, your background and how you, you know, everything you, you, you think would be, you know, be interesting and, and to our listeners. Yeah. Um, so I had always been like a troublesome child. <laughs> like I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, but I remember I was at a private school, my, my preschool teacher, um, you know, told my mom, like, should you get her tested for ADHD? Cause I think you should. And so she takes me to the doctor, the same doctor that delivered me. And he's like, nah, she's just smart, you know? And so my mom's like, phew, okay, cool. We dodged that bullet. But, um, I think I really did display a lot of issues growing up with anxiety and depression. And I didn't know how to handle my really, really, um, extreme emotions. And I didn't have like true coping mechanisms. 
And so, you know, I, I was pretty lost. Like I, I had bands, like I played trumpet in middle school and high school. I just sort of, I don't know, hung out with meth addicts, never did a drug in my life, but was just like found hardcore music and was going to shows and stuff. And I was this online forum and there was a guy that was coming out to California for a jiu-jitsu tournament. And I was like, I don't know what this wrestling thing is that you, you have going on, but if you want to hang out, we should do that. And he's like, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I picked him up and he's like, can we go back to the tournament to check on my friends and how they're doing? And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever you want to do. And, uh, I saw jujitsu for the first time, which was the 2008 pans, uh, in Carson. And I saw a female match and I was like, this is so cool. And I feel like I've always just sort of like, uh, rough house with the guys. Like I used to wrestle with them. I used to like moon people out of the cars and just kind of like be that, uh, jackass that, um, you know, the boys were too. And so I finally, you know, looked up jujitsu, but it took me a year to get in to uh, an academy because I had acne and I had low self-esteem and anxiety and I just didn't know what to do. So I knew of a couple people from the hardcore scene that had gone to a gym near my work. So finally I just got the guts one day and I walked in and they're like, yeah, you know, come back tomorrow. Class starts. Here you go. Took one class and signed a two-year contract and was like, all right, this is cool. And from then on, it was just something that I knew that I, I had chosen. It wasn't like Girl Scouts or my mom put me in or anything like that. It was my decision. I was working. I was going to college full time. And then I was training. So the training was, was huge for me because there's a support system. And then you see people regularly. And then there's goals. Like I remember looking at my attendance card and I realized, cool. So if I train and five more classes, I'm going to get a strike because there's a mark there. So I, uh, I exhausted myself. I was going like two a days and I remember I was like falling apart and, uh, Hamala was like, yo, what's going on with you? And I was like, well, I saw that I could get a strike. So I just wanted to speed up the process. He's like, you realize that's a suggestion, right? Like it doesn't mean that you're going to get it. Like, it's like, and I was like, Oh, so of course I didn't get it. And then, you know, I did because obviously you know I kept on going and I competed within three months and it was exhilarating I I thought it was so amazing I'd never done anything where people were really watching me like yeah I was in bands but like that's a band it, it wasn't just my screw up it's everyone else's too uh if that were to happen so yeah I, I ended up uh getting like third at my first tournament and um I thought it was awesome. I just kept on competing, competing, competing. And I ended up going full-time in 2012. And, um, you know, all this time I had been in a, a toxic relationship myself. And I finally had found, uh, you know, a, a drug. Actually, this is prior. So I found a drug um, thing on Craigslist that was like, try this drug and we'll pay you 500 bucks. And I'm like, sweet. So I go there and they're like, you know, do you have anxiety? And I'm like, I think I do. So I answer this questionnaire and they're like, yep, you have generalized anxiety disorder, GAD. And I was like, cool. Anyways, what are we going to do? So he's like, all right, you're going to take this and they're going to come in every week and you're going to fill out the questionnaires, blah, 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 blah. Well, I had a lot of panic attacks. I still don't know if I had the placebo or not, but, um, yeah, I was pretty neurotic during that time. And so I got the 500 bucks and I told everybody like, yeah, I took this drug, but like I got 500 bucks, like, which was big back then being a college student <laughs> and whatnot. So like that kind of just goes with the stigma, right? Like we can't just say, yeah, I went to the doctor and I have generalized anxiety disorder and now I'm taking it in my own hands. Like I wasn't ready for that. Um, and so I started going to a therapist after a toxic relationship when I was about 21, I want to say, 21 or 22. And uh, I actually brought up the, the ADD thing and he said the exact same thing. He was like, you either have ADD or you're just smart. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go with the ADD thing. So I stayed talking with him once a week for a, a year. Um, and then I decided to go and uh, get 
medication because I had a close, close friend who I grew up with that said, you know, my anxiety and depression went away when I started treating the ADHD. So that gave me the confidence. So I still was super, super afraid of antidepressants because I had always heard if you took the wrong one, it could give you suicidal thoughts. And I, in my head, I'm like, well, if I kill myself, then how the hell am I supposed to try another drug? Because <laughs> I'm already dead. And that was just my thinking, my scary thinking. So I went on Ritalin um, or Concerta, which is a slow dosage. But I didn't really like, it's almost like I would not brag about it, but I bragged because at a public university, I went to Cal State Northridge. It's the only public university in the LA area, one of them. And there's so many people. So it's kind of like you, you get in via like, a, you know, you have a good enough GPA and a good enough SAT score and you're in. So there's a lot of budget cuts going on because it's public and, um, you know, it's hard to get classes, right? So you have to crash them and everybody's got to take the GE courses. You got to take the speech, you got to take whatever, astronomy, geology, whatever. And, uh, so if I went to the disabilities office and I took my diagnosis of ADD and I said, look, uh, I, I need to sign up for services. And the service that I wanted was just to sign up earlier for classes. And they were like, all right, well, you can come in here to take tests. We can have a note taker for you. And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. Like, I'm totally capable. Uh, I'm just going to use this paper. I'm going to use this diagnosis. And that's another you know, part of stigma that was huge because I just didn't even have the confidence to kind of own it again and like really research it and go, how do I help myself? It was more just like, I'm crazy. That's it. And, um, it wasn't until like later on when I started, uh, realizing that people started listening to me, I started a, a zine called pulling guard zine and I was doing interviews and whatnot. Then I started working for Gracie mag. Um, and I was, you know, people wanted to reach out to me so that they could get their, uh, you know, fame, right? They'd be like, write an article about me or I'd go cover all the tournaments and whatnot. So people started listening to what I had to say. And they liked that the stories that I was telling of, of these events and, and whatnot. And, you know, I've always been super personal. I've had a blog since I was a white belt. Always had a disclaimer. I'm just a white belt. But I had it till I was a purple belt, actually. So um, it wasn't until 2015 I was living in New Jersey. Uh, at the time, I was dating Gianni Grippo. That's what I, I moved to New York for love. Uh, and we were, we were training together every day, uh, same routine every single day. And I get this call late at night from my aunt and I was like, all right, I don't feel like answering. Like, I'm definitely not a person who likes talking on the phone and I prefer texting. <laughs> so I was like, oh, she, you know, she'll leave a message if it's something important. She leaves a message and she's like, you know, I need you to call me right away. So I did. And I didn't know if it was my mom or what. And she told me that my dad died, um, and that he had shot himself and, it was just like, whoa, like, I don't, I don't have a dad. And I remember like just freaking out. I couldn't talk to my mom because the police were talking with my mom and she was dealing with all this stuff. And, um, at the hospital, my sister was there and I, I, told, I spoke to my sister and I remember when I hung up and I didn't really know what to do. I called a friend at the time and who I knew that had lost her dad to uh, cancer when she was younger. And she was very vocal about every time that you know, his anniversary of his death comes along and she talks about being a daddy girl, daddy's girl and stuff like that. I called her and I said, I don't know what to do, but I don't have a dad anymore and you don't have a dad. So now I can relate to you. Um, and that was like, you know, I look back on it now and I'm just like, well, that was weird. Like, I can't imagine like what she was thinking when she got that call, but she talked me down, you know, and then, and I, uh, I went the next day to the gym and I told Marcelo and, you know, I got on a plane and, and I got, I went home and I didn't want to go home until everything was cleaned up. Right. Um, and everything was kind of more kosher and my mom chose to stay in the house. So I stayed in the house with her. We actually, uh, spoke to a medium, uh, friend 
who uh, my cousin's friend was a medium and stuff. And for whatever reason, I, I almost thought that my dad was a ghost in my house. And I couldn't even sleep in my own bed. I was 20, 24, 25. And uh, I couldn't even sleep in my own bed. I couldn't be alone in the dark because, um, I don't know, it was like, it was just, it, it manifested into something really scary. So um, well, you went through something very right traumatic, away we went yeah, to, for sure. Yeah. Right away, we went to a grief counselor, uh, me, my sister, my mom, and that helps so, so much, like getting the professional help and, and just having that outside perspective because, you know, you're in your head so much and you're just feeling all of these things that you don't understand your emotions. So that really helped us. And, um, from then I was like, you know, I, I've always been super, super transparent online and I, I need to tell people, but I, I'm going to, I'm going to use this as like a badge of honor because there's a lot of people who don't say this, the cause of death because they don't want to be seen as like the, the blame or that they should have done something or whatever it is. Like it's an eyesore, right? The word, you know, committed, committed suicide, it implies that it's a crime. Like, I remember reading about it. I think it was, like, in France a long time ago. Like, you didn't get a, a funeral. Your body got dragged behind the wagon um, for all to see, like, throughout the city. Like, it was self-murder. Um, and, you know, I know that's a lot different these days. And I knew and I knew what it felt like. I know what it feels like to, to want to die. And, um, you know, to have that in my family history now, I wanted to really put it out there. So I found the National Alliance for Mental Illness. They have a chapter in every state. And I decided to create a GoFundMe. So one, I could say this is what happened to me, but let's let's fo- focus on the positive and 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 see. And you know, this is sad because it's not just me; it's it's everybody no, not um, that it's, deals with suicide. Yeah. It happens every day, and we need to make more make people more aware of it. So yeah, you can feel sorry for me, but like let's feel sorry for everybody. And that was my feeling. It wasn't just like poor me, poor my dad, poor my family. It was just like poor anyone who who has to deal with this, like especially when there's no note left like my dad. Um, And you really don't know there's questions. And the question you learn that the questions don't really matter because the answers don't matter. Um, And so I want to turn to positive. I got I received over sixty seven hundred bucks, which is, you know, it didn't really matter. But it was the sheer like number of donations. And all these people came out with support in the jiu-jitsu community that were like, dude, I suffer from that. Or I've never told anyone that I suffer. And so I just sort of like stood up like cricket hunger games. Like I volunteered as tribute and just I made it so, so, so uh, out there. And the first time I ever uh, shared it um, on the podium, I wrote a sign and uh, it was no keep hands. My first brown belt tournament in 2015 and I uh I was winning and I was in my last match the final and I was up 7-0 and I got on barred and I was just devastated because I was like planning on making it known I was like I want to be on the top of the podium I want to show that like successful people can still suffer from mental illness um or vice versa and so you know um I went off and cried but in the meantime like do you, do you know like in Mean Girls when she's so angry and there's this whole scene of her like I have never, I've never seen Mean Girls she's grabbing a piece of paper <laughs> oh my god we can't be friends but <laughs> there's like this scene and she gets, gets this burn book out and it's like her like just this long 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 scream of her like writing down all this stuff in a book that was me just like uh, crying while I'm, I get this piece of paper from the IBJJF and I write you know uh, submit the stigma of mental illness and I had to do it with a pen so I'm like scribbling to make it you know big letters and stuff well they did the po- the podium without me and then I actually got I got crap for it online the 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 coach of the girl who got first was like you know you should really show up for podiums you know because just because you didn't win you still need to fill the podium for the person who did and, and show them respect and I'm like absolutely except 
I was just on the other side of the gym and in New York, the, the gymnasium is not very big. You could have found me. I was so angry. So I missed the podium and I went into the absolute defaulted third, didn't care, held the sign anyways, gave the sign to Gianni to hold, gave the sign to Abraham Marti to Megan Neville to various people who wanted to support it. And then when I competed again, it was in Ogie Worlds, and I, I won. And it was just, like, so perfect. Everything came together. And then I remember, you know, Christina held up the sign. And then, you know, Patty Fontes, who was also on the podium, was grabbing the sign with her. And then Angelica says, you know, uh, Megan Neville was on the podium with Angelica. And then Angelica holds the sign, too. Uh, Angelica Galvan. And uh, all these people. I had one blue belt girl come up and say, yeah, uh, I don't know you, but I would love to hold that sign up on the podium. And I was like, oh, my God, this is so amazing. It's kind of taking a life of its own. That's what happened. So it's submit the signal with the hashtag. It's meant to be shared. And it's, you know, now a 501c3. And we accept, you know, donations and we do seminars and whatnot. We we want to work on a lot of things. But the the overall uh, goal has always been just awareness. And the idea of jujitsu helping me so much is something that my dad could have. Obviously, I wouldn't say my dad should do jujitsu, but just something of that effect helped me so much to find a place and have identity and know that I wasn't without support no matter what happened in my life. And I, I really showed when strangers were coming out and talking to me. And to this day, I think Christina can attest to this too. Like you put something out there, maybe you're having a bad day and all of a sudden your followers who you've never met are messaging you, telling you how inspirational you are just because you said you had a bad day. Cause they have a bad day, but knowing that that happens to other people is so huge or knowing how to deal because we, we say, okay, well, we had a bad day, but we did this or, you know, tomorrow's going to be better and it's okay to have a shit day every once in a while. And people are like, hell yeah, thank you. Thank you. Not for permission, but you know, just no, it's awesome. know that that's okay. Like you said, what you said, you know, there's, there's people want to hide the, the shame, especially, you know, I lived in Asia for a long time and the, you know, mental oh, yeah. illness is, is very, very, you know, hush, hush, look down on and, and you can't see the help. And one of the things I, I want to say is one of the m- most famous MA coaches, Robert Fowles took his own life. Um, someone who I really respect, uh, Carl Tanswell was an MMA coach in, in the UK, took his own life. And recently, this is very recently, um, two, two judo players, um, one American, yeah. um, uh, Jim Hatton and, um, mm-hmm. who was a uh, Jack Hatton, I'm sorry. Um, uh, he was an amazing U.S. judo national team uh, guy, and he he took his life. And then just a few months later, uh, uh, Craig Fallon, who re- went went to the Olympics and he represented the United States, United Kingdom, uh, also also took his own life. And and the commonality between all these things is it took everybody around them by surprise. They never said anything, as, as far as I know. Obviously, mm-hmm. I'm not in these people's lives, but but you know, if they had reached out, if they had had seen, you know, and, and there's there's something about being like. A tough guy, and, and and this is how I I, I mentioned you guys before. It's this, like you know, oh, you want to be a guy? You can't do this. You can't talk to people about this. You can't do this, and it is just so fucking just total bullshit. And it's not the way to a happy life. It's a way to misery and and also feeling insecure and not self actualizing in any way, shape, or form. And you know, if I had a cold, I would go to a doctor. If I want to learn how to do an armbar. I'm going to go, you know, see you and have an expert teach me mm-hmm. how to do an armbar. If I want to do uh, uh, whatever, learn how to cook, I'm going to cook as well. Well, guess what? Your brain is a machine. And, you know, if, if you, you go to an expert and you, you seek help and it's just it's the way it should be. Um, 
you know, it, it's a, it's just a very, very sad thing. And you guys are doing amazing, amazing work. Um, let me turn it over to my co-host, Matt, because because uh, I'm, I'm uh, as usual, uh, uh, dominating and, and the mic. And, and <laughs> but I know he, right he's, he's amazing, has always amazing thoughts to share. So. Wow. No pressure. Um, <laughs> Christina, you said something interesting uh, when you were talking about you telling your story to, I believe you said your ex-fiance. Um, yeah. That that you didn't really when you told him what happened. And he was like, wow, that's a big deal. You're like, no, it's not really. There's like a lot of people feel that way, especially in, in the, the female uh, world, it, that things happen to them and they just are supposed to happen to them. That's that's one of the, the symptoms of being a woman. Um, and in, in the patriarchy. For sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. the, 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 the stigma of just having the conversation about it and bringing it to the light is so, such an important thing to, to, to do. And I really commend you guys I, for that. I, I have to say that every single woman I know, uh, on a personal level, not every single woman I know, but every single woman I know on a personal <laughs> level has had some type of sexual assault, vi- victimization. Yeah, yeah. It's like they mm-hmm. say like... Yeah, every single one. And as, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I was just, just kind of piggybacking on what in four has experienced some sort of sexual assault. And, it, and, it, and it's, it's crazy because... Yeah, like, I think about that moment when I was talking about it and, and opening up finally, you know, like, oh, this happened when I was 13, this happened when I was 15, this happened when I was you know, 16, this happened when I was 17. And I think he, his face was shocked, his jaw was dropped, he was looking at me like, like, what, what the hell, you know? And I think I was smiling when I was telling the story, you know? And it's not like smiling like I'm happy, but kind of just kind of like, yeah, so this kind of happened, and that sucked, and and yeah, I was just wondering why it happened this way, but you know, yeah, that that you know, I was that sucks, but it's the the look on my face, like it, it didn't wasn't pained, like like there was not like that acceptance, like actualization that what I'm talking about until I finished what I had said, and then I looked at his face, and um, I saw this, it's like this thing I saw the other is like you don't realize how messed up the things that are done to you until you tell it to another person like out loud right and then and then they and you see the reaction it's like you don't ever really realize how messed up it is because again we we compartmentalize we we do again all the mental gymnastics to justify to justify what had happened so that it's okay and we do this so that we can live on with our lives so we're not stuck in that traumatic moment um you know, uh, there, like when when that relationship ended, when, when my when my ex fiance and I like we split, and I moved back home, um, it was like that realization, like oh man, like the reason why I got into that relationship in the first place is because I was literally trying to run away from all of this trauma that I was not willing to admit was trauma, right? And 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 the thing is, as like at this point too, I had already received um, you know medical treatment for um, uh, for depression and anxiety. I was on, I was seeing a psychiatrist. I was had therapy sessions. I was on Paxil, I believe I was on. Um, and, and, and even that, like to get that help was a struggle. You know, for years I was telling my parents that like, I was struggling with like, I don't feel right. Like I, I had suicidal thoughts. I, you know, and I remember like, the first time that I attempted suicide and then being like, I, I wrote out letters and, and, and made videos like the night before, and then I woke up the next day, and I'm like, fuck, I'm still alive. And I had to go to school, and I didn't tell anybody. So, like, I'm just going around school, and and everyone's just like, man, you look like crap. You look like crap. 
I'm like, yeah, you look really, you look really bad. And I'm like, hell yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm just sick, you know. I didn't tell anybody. And I'm like, yeah, I literally tried to like overdose on pills the night before and it didn't work. And I'm shocked at this reality. And I'm like, fuck, why am I still here? Why am I still here? And, and, um, for a reason, like, I, I don't, I don't remember too much after that day. I remember the day, but I don't remember what happened. Like the process afterwards of it kind of picked myself up and, and still pleading with my parents, like, I need help. And like, no, it's just in your head. You just need to stop complaining. You just need to be positive. You just need to be, you need to smile. You know, you just need to be, you stop being lazy. You need to work hard. And I'm like, man, like, it's so hard. It's really, really hard. Like, you're not hearing what I'm saying. And it took for them to see me have an actual panic attack in the car for them to be like, oh, my God, yeah, you need help. And I'm like, wow, it's only when I have this extreme actual breakdown, screaming, crying, you know, can't breathe. My body is like, you know, for me, when I have panic attacks, my hands ball up. I get into literally a fetal position and I can't, um, I can't move. Um, and, uh, and it, that was the first time seeing it. And that was the first time like, okay, let's get you to a doctor because that's not healthy. And I'm like, fuck, I've been trying to tell you for years. And that was when I was, I think, 18 or 19 where I finally was able to get help. But even with that, so, okay, we're talking about the anxiety and the depression. And, of course, all the stuff with the sexual assault, that, of course, gave to, like, only intensify the feelings of, like, depression and anxiety, which is, like, I have no words. I don't I, – what am I doing here, you know? And moving to Arizona to be in this relationship was just like, okay, well, it's going to be a fresh start, right? I have a fresh start. Nobody knows me here. I have this new person in my life who's really, really supportive, really positive. Um, I can leave all that behind. And, you know, things changed. I had to, you know, um, after like five years, we, you know, we decided like, things ended and I moved back home. And it was like suddenly I had to confront these things again. And, um, and I was not prepared. I mean, I was, but it wasn't. Like at this point, I was like, all right, I'm vocal. I'm, I'm speaking out about, you know, um, self-worth. I'm speaking about um, being being vocal about and uh, not being ashamed by our trauma. Like, you know, not staying silent, not keeping quiet and, and actually illuminating the light so that we're not suffering by ourselves. And then the fact by, again, bring a light to that. It's like, you're going to find other people who have also suffered the same thing or something very similar and also felt the same uh, feelings of guilt and shame and blame. And um, like it's all my fault. You know, I should have done something. I should have fought back. And it's like, wow, like, you know, in the moment you're paralyzed. You don't know what to do sometimes. And and it's just almost easier to just let it happen because, you know, there's all these other, a whole, a whole myriad of other things where it's like, mine was messed up. It's like, I don't want to hurt this other person. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Like this, this person is literally physically assaulting me right now. Yeah. And I don't want to hurt their feelings by telling them no or pushing them off mm -hmm. of me or, or, or saying stop. Or in some cases where you do say stop, but you don't say stop loud enough. Or you don't say no loud enough because you're so, you're so afraid. And, um, and, and um, yeah, it is kind of like, it's just crazy. Like, well, even when I say this out loud now, it's like, you, I'm not necessarily going through it, but I think of all the little milestones of, of which I had to confront certain things, you know, without knowing it, you know, like when I came back home, seeing certain areas like, oh, this is the first place that it happened. Like the first time that anyone had ever sexually assaulted me, that's the place without meaning to visit that place. And then you see it and you're just like, oh no, panic attack. Um, and then having to, 
have that kind of catharsis with that moment in in that place and saying like okay I'm not 13 year old me isn't stuck inside that isn't stuck inside that um, uh, storage container anymore they're not they're not stuck there they're not or that shipping container they're not there I'm outside I grew up I'm an adult now I'm like I can let go okay to let go and um, well you're an amazing like, strong yeah. woman. Amazing. Can I, I don't want to interrupt, but I want to say one thing is um, I teach a lot of um, uh, self-defense. A lot of what I do is oriented towards uh, neurobiology, neuro, 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 neurochemistry. And, and, you know, there, our limbic system works in a way that, you know, people think it's fight or flight, but it's actually fight, flight, freeze. And this yeah. is actually used against women all the time. Like, why didn't you fight back? Well, that's a misunderstanding of how the neuro, neurobiology works. Animals, almost all mammals, have fight, flight, or freeze, and it's a protective mechanism. And uh, you know, it's just completely wired into who we are. If if you don't feel that you can survive the encounter and you don't feel you can run away, most animals freeze, and you can see that with almost all animals. If you own any pet, when they're afraid, a lot of times they freeze and they shake. And uh, and it, it it in no way means that someone's at fault or whatever. Right? Whatever. You know, it's just like that's just. A, bunch of bullshit anyway i didn't know let me continue yeah. what I'm saying go ahead please um yeah so i mean so that that helped me like like i can be vocal about this i started being vocal about it with the women's jiu-jitsu community um and i think at the time that i started speaking out loud about it was during um a women's open mat inspire which um i'm hoping to bring life back into that since i haven't been able to touch it in a while um it was my first time I, I had this women's open mat that I put together and, and this one had close to a hundred women on the mat. I was like, this is going to be the first time I'm going to speak about this publicly, you know? And, and it was because I decided to speak up uh, publicly uh, or the reason why I chose to speak out about it was during that time, there was um, a case where someone in the jujitsu community had sexually assaulted uh, a teammate and it was, you know, called camera and it was this big whole thing. And, and so everyone was talking about it. I'm like, wow, now more than ever, I feel like it is really important for me to speak out, you know? I, in this case, like, the, the girl was, you know, she was, she was drunk. You know, she trusted her friends. She trusted her teammates to get her home safely. And You're talking you know, about the Lloyd Irving think, incident, right? Which one? Are you talking about the Lloyd Irving incident or a different? Um, I can't no. remember what team this guy sure. was from. No worries. Um, no, don't name, worry. But yeah. it did happen in it did happen in the New York or East Coast area. Okay, yeah, um, there's the famous one was in in DC where uh, some teammates under the Lloyd Irving team were involved in in uh, in an assault of a woman, and um, it, it, was, it was a girl in the, it was a parking she, structure, correct? Yes, that's right, and she was the same. Okay, yeah, right, it's right. the same one, same one then. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah terrible situation, and you know, um, the the we live in this world where it's like, like you know, unfortunately, they were they were. And I will say, unfortunately, they were vindicated in court. Um, and if they have a problem with that, they can come see me. Um, but, uh, but you know, they, you know, it's it's like the lack of respect and lack of humanity that showed in that. Aside from the the sexual assault, is just like what kind of world do we live in where people do that before the assault took yeah. place? Before the assault, yeah. You know, like yeah. What what are you? You know, like what? How do we? How do we treat people? people with such disrespect and and um and lack of empathy and humanity before the sexual assault i'm talking about you know but of course that yeah. happened too um but anyway um uh thank you for 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 sharing and i think your voice is an incredibly strong voice out there and for people to 
overcome uh, what they have and also to to come out of of, of that 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 shame spiral. Uh, and yeah. you know, I, I personally find you incredibly inspiring. Um, and Matt, anything else to? Uh, well, how can people connect with you and and spread your message? Oh uh, well, I mean, I'm very active on on social media, um, particularly on Instagram. You know, like definitely, there's a lot of jujitsu stuff in there, but a lot of it pertains to like, again, I use jujitsu. Like, obviously, it has changed my life. It saved my life. Um, it has gotten me out of bad relationships and and um, bad situations and made me more aware and, and has put me in contact with really really good people, um, like like Aaron, like Aaron, one of my best friends, mm-hmm. and we don't even next to each other. She's like she's 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 like my sister, right? I, when she ever comes home, she's like, yeah, she's my um, my adopted like well, white sister. Yeah, like my mom treats her like <laughs> her daughter, and then her mom treats me like her daughter, and then like you know, um, and we were just like this we're this family, and and a lot of that becomes because we are the way that we are, and it was just so easy to talk to each other about it, and and and, and having shared experiences and being able to speak openly and not feel judged. You know, or not have someone look at me and be like, oh, poor you, you're this broken thing, you know, and, um, and still be, and, but still, despite these things, still like, wow, I'm awesome. I am awesome, you know? <laughs> and, and so, like, when Erin and I are together, it's just like, it's this big, like, a lot of energy, a lot of like, man, we're just laughing, we're smiling. And, um, and it's not a show. It's not like we're showing off or anything. It's just like, we generally just feel really good around each other because we don't, have to hide anything right. you know it's that that freeing that i can be vulnerable around her but i feel safe and because i feel i can have that vulnerability and that safety with her i feel strong and i, and think, I feel like well, yeah. go ahead please please oh no yeah i was just like because and you know because we have that strength it's like it's so important that we, we use that for something you know again like our 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 quote unquote antics and our, our personalities like they're not for show like that's really really us um we are just two weirdos um <laughs> yes <laughs> and, no but i'd and, say and, and one we, thing yeah we is just fully embraced it community in the martial arts and I, it doesn't even matter what martial art but particularly i think when you compete and you see the same people over there or you come to the academy and you say the same people over and again there's a bond that is so strong and and it allows you to to um, have your clan, have your tribe, and then you can you can heal. And also, I want to say a thing about vulnerability. A lot of men feel that like showing vulnerability is weakness, but you know, really showing vulnerability is true strength. Saying, "Hey, yes. I'm hurting here," you know. And there's a there's a martial. I don't I don't think he'd want to be mentioned on, on the podcast right now. He's but he's a famous martial artist and he's going through a tough time. And uh, I shout out to him. He's he's a very public figure, but he's going through a really tough time. And I really respect that he's posting a lot about how how he's just hurting. He's you know he's separated uh, half a world away from his kids, and he you know his life is turned around, and he also has struggles with depression. And he's he's coming out and he's saying, hey, if there's anybody here who's feeling like me, you know uh, you know you're not alone. And um, and I think it's it's important that we find our tribe and we also understand that. Everybody has vulner- vulnerability. Everyone, you know, the, the, the myth of the, the, you know, this John Wayne or whatever, it's just such bullshit. And it's so pernicious. And you can't be a man when you're happy like that. And you can't be with, you can't be with a wonderful, strong woman when you're, when you're so broken. 
and and you can't appreciate wonderful strong women like the two of you and um, I'm very honored to mm. have uh, been able to speak to you to you today just to finish Aaron I'd like to any any thoughts anything you'd like to share as well um, I'd love to have you on back because we you know uh, to uh, a little further about your MMA experiences and things like that but uh, but here anything to finish uh, finish out yeah, um, like I say, at every seminar that I teach, even if it's not a semantic sigma seminar, I always tell people what you're saying about the bond and how you see each other every day. Uh, you can also, you know, be aware of your teammates. And if someone is down, someone is off, like you're going to be able to tell. You see someone so often um, and you're in a, obviously a close uh, connection with them when you train with them so do yourself a favor do everyone else a favor and just you see someone feeling down make sure that you reach out to them and say hey are you feeling okay hey i'm concerned about you hey you know you're doing all right and maybe they don't talk maybe they don't explain but they don't need to um maybe they do maybe you just sit there and listen whatever it is you could help someone a lot just you know they they go home that night feeling like wow someone does care and unfortunately with depression and mental illness and stuff we we tend to think that we're a burden or that we don't want to burden someone else with our, our woes, right? And that's just not the case. Um, I tell people, like, let, let people care about you. Let people have the opportunity to, to guide you through whatever you're going through. Uh, let them help you. And, um, you know, also just uh, instructors. Instructors need to be aware that, yeah, people do have panic attacks. People, you know, you have to be aware that, People aren't just weak because they, they don't want to train or because something upsets them or because, like, someone doesn't um, pair up with them for class. Like, I used to break down and go cry if I didn't have anyone to train with. I mean, and I was already, you know, competing at the highest level at my belt ranks, and uh, I was still affected by that. So there's a lot going on in people's, people's heads, and uh, if they let you in, then, you know, you should be grateful. And also just um, sharing yourself with other people is always important. There's a time and place, obviously, you know, you're not, you're not going to say like, so my dad died by suicide, uh, five years ago and, you know, like in the middle of a drill, but it's just important to share yourself with others because the community is so tight already. Um, so Smith the Stigma is, we have a website, smiththestigma.org, and it is, uh, available to people who want to buy patches and we have some apparel and whatnot. And then we also have, the Facebook and the Instagram, which are run by my Toronto friend, Valerie Brousseau, who actually, I think it's today, she's doing a, a TED Talk um, in Toronto, or no, sorry, Montreal, about mental health awareness. She actually was one of the best um, uh, in her district in Durham region, um, the best volunteer. She actually has attempted suicide and, and has firsthand experience and now helps others and runs this type of stigma up there, and it's been beautiful. So that's another person to you know, have on and consider. So, um, social yeah, medias are all there. The patches are available and whatnot. And yeah, all I ask is that you share, that you speak about it and that's it. That's, that's, you know, people are always like, well, how, what can I do to help? Well, that's it. <laughs> speak about your own personal experiences. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, submit the stigma. I'm going to yep. go to therapy right now. I actually do have a therapist appointment awesome. at 430. So go to therapy. Yeah, great. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> And uh, we'll make sure we share everything on our Instagram and our social media to uh, do as much as we can to raise awareness for you guys. Thanks so much Thank for taking so much. time to be you here. It was uh, it's uh, aside from the great work you do as uh, martial artists, it's an honor to talk to you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me too. Yeah. Glad we could finally make this work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.